Welcome back to the Table Church Podcast. Megan, it's been a while. It has. Good to be back in this space. Um, let's see. Has anything big happened in culture since we last met? I feel like it's I been can't... a pretty snoozy summer. <laughs> I can't think of anything. I feel like there's something in particular. Uh, what is it? Something that you know might affect a pastor's uh, world a bit. Oh, yeah. They overturned Roe v. Wade. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> When did that happen? What, like last week? Yeah. Was it, like, it, it was like on a Saturday, wasn't it? Was like, oh, it was last week. It was last Friday, to last be Friday. exact. Yeah, it was yeah, almost would, a week ago. Wouldn't make for it to be a Saturday. It makes sense to be a Saturday, would it? No, the release day was Do they Friday. convene on Saturdays? No. But today they finished, like, today is the last day. It's really over Of the today. case? Yeah. But they, no, I mean, like, the Supreme Court is going to release the rest of their decisions today, Thursday, June 30th. Okay. But last week we got some doozies. We did. Um, we had the overturning of Roe v. Wade and the Coach Kennedy case, which is really mm-hmm. kind of like the plot of one of those movies, like Fireproof. <laughs> A Christian movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's some uh, good material there now yeah. for, for those uh, those movie studios or whatever uh-huh. that make those kind of movies. Or it's churches. Churches make those movies, right? Didn't like... Yeah. Fate, uh, churches fund those movies. Like a, a church made fireproof, like didn't fireproof. they? Fireproof. It's a it's a production company that I think they're pastors oh. that also have a production company. What is it? Flywheel? I don't know. This is some of the knowledge that you can pull up out of the junk drawer of your <laughs> mind. We'll have to at a moment's notice. fact check that later. <laughs> well, I brought it up because um I want everyone listening to know that we're not just copping out on talking about this because it really matters. But um, we're not going to talk about it today. We want to take a little time just to gather our thoughts and make sure we have a well-reasoned, thoughtful, and wise thing to say about it because it's a big deal. Actually, we ended up talking about it for like 30 minutes before we started recording. But We should have just hit record. <laughs> but we should, we should prepare better. <laughs> we were prepared for something else. Yeah. We're going to deliver that today. That's right. Mm-hmm. So today, um, okay, first of all, we're, we're still in the middle of our Nerd Zone series. It's just scheduling sometimes takes a while to get things <laughs> together. And so we haven't, we don't have a new episode of that for everyone today, but mm-hmm. we have uh, another one coming. We do. We it's got a doozy. We got some coming. We have a couple pipe. of them. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, so you can look forward to those. Hopefully those are great opportunities just to, I don't know, get to know some other people in our church and get exposed to some things that maybe you've never thought much about, like board games and knitting and powerlifting and yeah who knows try a new thing in life mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh so we got more of that coming but for today um we just thought we'd talk about what's the question you were answering here what like name one book that had a really significant impact on your on your faith journey yeah i think because i had been thinking about this i just realized i touched my microphone twice i'm sorry i didn't hear anything Did you? okay i've got the headphones He's on got the headphones on um so as a pastor, uh, Phil and I both end up talking to people a lot about what it means to follow Jesus. And that means that we see like the full spectrum of all of the ways people expect following Jesus is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it's interesting because you have a lot of conversations with people where you realize um, if they've been a Christian for a very short amount of time or a very long amount of time, everybody comes into it with expectations about what it is, mm-hmm. right? Because you can't not have them. Like, right. 
you can't not have an expectation about something, even if you barely know anything about it. Yep. <laughs> so when you're following Jesus, there are all these different forces and things that form you over time. A lot of my teenager children friends, I'm trying to say the phrase, my kids who are teenagers, which is all of them, um, their friends largely are unchurched, have absolutely nothing to do with right. church and their perceptions of what it is to follow Jesus are really well formed, even though they've never had anything to do with mm. the church because they, they've heard things about the church, yeah. you know, all that. And then there's people who've been Christians forever and they have a moment where they're realizing following Jesus is going to ask something of them. They never thought was a part of the deal. Mm. Either that is good news to them or right. it's hard news for them to take. And it got me thinking this week about, like, why is it that I hold these certain things to be so cemented in my brain that they don't really compete? It doesn't mean that I'm an amazing Jesus follower, but it does mean I never had to go through a point in my adult Christian life where I had to, like, realize that following Jesus would be difficult. It, yeah, like... <laughs> You understand that following Jesus encapsulates yes. all of your life. Yeah. And whenever you find something in your life that doesn't align with the way of Jesus, it's not a debate. Yeah. Right. Hopefully. And so I just, I personally did not have the experience of growing up with like easy church. Mm -hmm. I didn't have that. I had a really religious upbringing. Um, and then got saved in high school and then immediately pretty much after getting saved, I got into all this stuff that I'm looking back on it now, like 25 or 30 years later and going, wow, that was actually really helpful. Like that was, mm -hmm. that was incredibly helpful for me to get that right away because it formed my expectations for what I was in for and I haven't had to readjust. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know. No, I could say something a little similar. I, I did grow up you know, um, yeah, you, differently. As a, you know, mm -hmm. following Jesus, but, um, had a really good church experience. I was, I grew up in like evangelicalism, right? But all of the stuff that people talk about when they're like deconstructing evangelicalism, I'm like, I don't know. I somehow managed to dodge all the landmines. <laughs> like it was just, I had a great youth pastor and actually my church had its fair share of like implosions and <laughs> mm -hmm. crazy it's, stuff, yeah. but I was somehow yeah, protected from it. Mm -hmm. Had an amazing kind of cohort of friends an amazing youth pastor who discipled me. You're still friends with that youth pastor. Yeah, we're like, he's one of my best friends. And um, now that you're adults and age doesn't matter. Right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, where are we going with this? Books. Well, books, I mean, like, because frankly, there are, there's a chance you can know people in your life that are going to do a really, really solid job of being around you long enough and them following Jesus clearly enough that like they have an impression on you you've mm -hmm. already mentioned that mm -hmm. and i have that too mm -hmm. but books are a shortcut to get some like really deep ideas into your head yeah that then like when you see them lived out in real life you recognize them quicker and build connections and then that starts to form like how you make your own choices that's mm -hmm. how influence works so books are really important and so phil and i grew up very differently in the church but we both still had like a moment pretty early on where we went, oh, like this we, is we ended up in a similar place. <laughs> yes. And there's a lot of people who feel a little bit, I guess the word would be like betrayed 
that's a phrase that I hear mm -hmm. a lot from people. They feel very betrayed by the church because what they were told, it turns out, is not what it's giving or, you yeah. know, what following Jesus will. I, I do feel like a lot of what we have to do is like deprogramming people from yeah. their church background. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think. I like talking about this with you because we have very different church upbringing stories, but a similar journey. So it's not to say that like, if you don't grow up in the church, it's better. Or <laughs> like, mm -hmm. It's just, yeah, it's just that there are some like key moments in your life where something can happen that really like breaks you off from that yeah. cultural shift. With church. So. so books. So I was thinking actually this morning about what are the what are the books that got me thinking these things before I knew any better? Mm -hmm. So that when I started living my life with Jesus and these types of things started to happen to me, I like didn't just accept it. I expected it and considered it a part of the full good package. Yeah. <laughs> and it was books. It was really books. Mm -hmm. And people who got those books to me. So, so yeah. when we, when we first had this idea, I thought we should like write down our book because I just thought maybe it'd be the same book and that'd be funny. Now I'm realizing there's no way it's going to be the same book. I don't think it will be. <laughs> like, yeah, mine's probably going to be a lot more, uh, yours is going to be a lot higher brow than mine, I bet. I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it. But um, I will say we could probably both name like 20 books. Yeah. But we're going to try to pick, pick like one. maybe the most significant yeah. best we can. I think you should go first. All right. Well, the one that I wrote down was The Divine Conspiracy by Dallas Willard. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. um, I, re I read that. Okay, so it wasn't when I was a kid. I don't know if that's what we're supposed to do. No, I mean, just like, you know, like it was something that corrected like, your... I think it was my first year out of college. Mm -hmm. the, so I was a pastor. I was in the ministry, and I read that book. It was in the Linwood Church Library. That's how I For read it. For those of you who are vaguely familiar with Dallas Willard books but never picked them up, it's in the series that was all published with fruit on the cover. <laughs> all the fruit. Yeah. Yeah. There's like seven books. Mm -hmm. They all have fruit on the cover. And so the divine conspiracy, and here's the thing, I, I remember less of the content than I do just with how it made me feel. I don't know if you ever had that. Like, mm -hmm. I don't, I couldn't necessarily quote lines from the book, but I really remember the feeling I had as I read it and coming away from that book, just feeling like, okay, everything's different now. Mm -hmm. um, but, but one of the things that, it, boy, and it's funny too, like this, this is a testament to how influential that book has been um, like so widely in Christians' minds because when I try to explain what the book is about, it's not going to sound that profound because uh -huh. we're all there now, but it wasn't how it was. But like one of the things that he communicates is just like the kingdom of God is all around you all the time and the life of discipleship is the life of like entering that, um, uh, fashioning your life around the idea that Jesus really is king and that his kingdom really is here. The phrase he uses is it's next to your head. He says that in the book. Um, and boy, the way that he unpacks, it's a, it's a kind of a thick read. Um, he but, literally, he, that book is about, about a thousand things, but it's all one thing. And Dallas Willard has dozens of books and publications and he really only writes about one thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same thing over and over That's again. That's like but, sort of like entry, right? Like, really prolific writers that cover like the full scope of a human experience but you could probably be like ah it's pretty much all the same message well the <laughs> thing that i think they're doing is they have a word it's you know brilliant. and and they're they're um like at the end of nt wright's life at the end of dallas Woodard's life he, he passed away um and like we can say this was their contribution mm -hmm. you know like the it's the stroke of actual 
brilliant. It's like someone who's truly brilliant in their contributions to the Christian life is somebody who um, can write very deeply about a very simple statement Mm -hmm. (laughs) and all of it like uh, um, fits into the whole Um, and then also it's a person who doesn't just write about the ideas but they've embodied it so much that they can talk extremely detailed very deeply about really complex subjects but it's completely simplified into something that you can just see them doing when they like go to the store (laughs) that's yeah so reading that book for me it's what ignited the the passion for spiritual formation and discipleship like it just kind of woke me up from this idea of ministry is just like getting people saved <laughs> to understanding like, well, we can't just have a bunch of baby Christians running around all the time. Um, and actually what the world ne- what the world needs so badly is, in fact, I think Richard Foster, this is how he opens up Celebration of Discipline, which is another book I'd put up there. Um, like what the world needs is not, I can't remember what word he uses, but he says what the world needs is deep Christians. Mm-hmm. You know, people who really do know how to not only... Um, um, you know, the great commission is talking about going all the world, you know, preach gospel, baptize people in the name of the father, son, and the Holy spirit. But then it also says teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. Like people who actually know how to live out the life that Jesus has laid before us. Mm-hmm. And, um, that was revolutionary for me, even though I think most people at table church, if we've done our job, well, it, that shouldn't sound too profound. Like we talk about the way of Jesus all the time. We have a discipleship pathway. We talk, we just did a series on spiritual disciplines. Like we talk about this so much, it shouldn't sound crazy. But there was a time where people didn't talk about that stuff very much. And it's still really true in lots of places. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, a, it's a lifetime work of saying the same thing over and over. God actually wants to transform you into a person who is like Jesus, who doesn't just do Jesus-y things, but who thinks and exists as Jesus would if he were you. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty cool. Fun fact, Richard Foster and Dallas Willard were both pastors at the same time at one point at a yeah. Quaker church. Yeah. Long time ago. Mm-hmm. Dallas that's did the, some preaching. How would you like to Bible go to that studies. church? Yeah. I mean, giants. <laughs> the, um, do you think the people realize what they had when they had it? No, because, <laughs> because like all brilliant, amazing like Jesus filled people, them actually doing what they do looks pretty boring mm. and most people don't appreciate it. Unremarkable, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> so Dallas Willard, he was a philosopher at USC. In fact, he was the chairman of the philosophy department at USC for a time. And so n- most of his publishing is in the realm of Christian discipleship and spiritual formation, but he's got some like upper deck philosophy out there too. I've never actually read any of that academic philosophy. Um, I've but, made a, a yeah. slow trudge through some of it. Yeah, you know, I really want to read The Disappearance of Moral Knowledge. I've not read it yet. I got that for free on Kindle when it was really? like one day. They just gave it away. Dallas Willard Foundation just gave it away. Because it's not cheap, I don't <laughs> no, think. No, it's like an $80 book or something <laughs> like that. I'll find it on it some. It was like his magnum opus. It was the thing that he tried to finish his entire life, and then they finished it posthumously Yeah. and published it. Yeah. yeah, I need to read that because it actually deals with some stuff I'm very fascinated by. Yeah. So, um, that's my book. Mm-hmm. That's a good book. Yeah. If you want to read that book, you just should. I mean, it's not... I always tell people Dallas Willard is... People... I do not like the way that people 
in church circles will talk about things as if they're very complicated and like, whoa, so over my head and whatever. And I agree. The issues are like, you know, like scuba diving. Like, <laughs> like it's fun. You see lots of stuff. And then the more you see, the more you realize there's so much more you can't get to or mm -hmm. whatever so those books are pretty deep but also they're not difficult language like the stuff he wrote mm -hmm. like the divine conspiracy and all the other books that have the fruit on the cover mm -hmm. those are all books that are completely comprehensible for you like any person could pick them up and understand what they're saying if you feel overwhelmed while you're reading it it might be more your personal reaction to like feeling hot under the collar at like actually having to live that way sure <laughs> you know that's a good point i want to talk about this for a second um, can I get a little soapbox here? I think people, we need to challenge ourselves in what we read more. Um, I read su stuff, I'll read a book, and I may only understand 20% of it, and that's okay. You still try. And then the mm -hmm. next time you read something, you understand a little more. And this is like our life's work here, trying to understand what it is to follow Jesus. And so if you have to challenge yourself a little bit to read something by somebody who's like literally a devotional master, you know, that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's okay. It's not going to kill you. In fact, we have lots of um, read books available read in hard the things. church library that yeah. people call hard things. They're not actually like, I beg of any adult <laughs> to open up any Dallas Willard book that, of the type that we're talking about, not the academic stuff, the devotional, you know, life, mm -hmm. life which is 90, books. 90 of 90% of most of what he published yeah. is this. You open it up to any page and read it you will understand every word that he's saying because that is part of the brilliance. He's using plain language to communicate very deep concepts. Mm -hmm. The thing that we feel is hard is to take it on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, um, and it just drives me nuts when people talk about like Willard or N.T. Wright. Now, both like Dallas Willard, N.T. Wright, highly academic writing too. Yep. Like really complex essays or like if you Google them, you might find some really complicated stuff. But the stuff they wrote for people to like buy at a bookstore mm -hmm. and read is comprehensible to anyone. Yeah. It's just that it's big ideas that you could swim in forever. And they don't use a lot of like stories no. <laughs> and illustrations. Well, it's true. <laughs> and the sentences can sometimes be long. I think N.T. Wright has like, N.T. Wright is routinely comical in the things that he says. Mm-hmm. Um, to compare, like N.T. Wright is full of illustrations, I think. He's like, got a wide they're range. Funny. They're usually cute and kind of funny. He's like got quick, a, they're mm -hmm. dry and quick, but like upon listening to it, you start to realize. Yeah, he's got quite a range you in terms of his audience. You anything Dallas Willard says, but he's just telling it like it is. Yeah. Anyway. So, anyway. He's great. He's great. Um, <clears throat> Read hard things. Yes. Oh, I touched my mic again. But, I did hear that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but I was gonna say it's because of where my computer is. Okay. I think that You're like my hand where I'm talking with my hands. Um if you pick up the divine conspiracy and it is just simply too long. That is a that's thing. That's okay. It's quite long. That's the longest one. That's like book seven of the Harry Potter series. That's mm -hmm. like it includes everything. It has all the things. If you want to read one Dallas Willard book, I would read that one. Mm -hmm. But if that's too long for you, so you'll never do it, you should read The Great Omission. Mm -hmm. Yep. So. Yeah. And I have I have that. I don't know. I'm sure that you That is the Cherries book. Yeah. <laughs> it has cherries on it. Yeah. Divine Conspiracy <laughs> is the pear book. Yes. It's got pears. <laughs> um, the Great Omission is just simply about like uh like the great commission like go into all the world 
and preach the gospel and teach people to do what I do. Mm-hmm. You know, so like there's two parts. The fact that we haven't taught people is the great omission. We've omitted it from yes. our discipleship. We haven't taught them how to obey Jesus. This that is book point. is just a lovely book. You could read it, no problem. Read hard things. They're not actually hard. People <laughs> just say that so that they can get out of Well, and them. I think the slog through hard things is, is part of the formation. Like that, mm-hmm. that does something for you and it's good. You know? Like I, like, like I will deliberately, um, like I read the disappearance of moral knowledge. Um, like I slowly just would be like, I'm just going to read a whole chapter, mm-hmm. you know, even though I'm probably going to get to the end of it and be like, what in the world? <laughs> but it's good to feel like a three year old at yeah. like, a at the movies where you don't mm-hmm. understand what's going on. It's all over your head. Feels good yeah. to not be smart. <laughs> 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 just do it. Yeah. Um, okay. Should I talk about my book? Yeah. Let's hear your book, Megan. When, so I grew up in a pretty religious context, but didn't know Jesus at all. And then I uh, got saved in high school through other people. I will, side note, I was um, organizing the church library yesterday and I was um, making sure that every book had its like, you know, checkout card and mm-hmm. its little sleeve and like all the stamps were in there. So right we're open for business. Like this. We are. But one of the books that's on the shelf is a is one that i put down there like i put quite a few of my seminary books down there okay so if you if you feel so inclined to go (laughs) read about any you know bit of the spectrum of pastoral ministry and what it involves you might find my highlights inside old books that i bought so there was a book called oh what's it called the like really thin book spiritual friendship you remember okay. that book with the two, it's like a booth on the front oh, cover. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's like a little book. Yeah. I was um, putting that one on the shelf and I opened it up to the back page to make sure that the card thing was in there and everything. And you notice the spot where I had written a note to myself. And um, I don't know, it was probably just like I was summing something up probably to remember to put in a response paper or something. Mm-hmm. But I wrote... Um, come to God through people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, that's beautiful. 2014, Megan, that's beautiful. Good job. Like, but, um, just that like a huge part of like what you can discipline yourself to do is to come to God through people. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you yeah. don't have to be like, I need my quiet time. You know, you can get quite a bit, quite a bit of like coming to God through the community. Bit, yeah. Through mm-hmm. like being with a person. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, brilliant. Um, <laughs> Bonhoeffer says that God's real presence is in the church, yes. in the community. Yeah. So all that to say that when I was in college, I had just recently become a Christian and that was always like super passionate about my faith because like Jesus solved a problem for me. Like I didn't grow up around Jesus stuff and have yeah. it like indoctrinated into me slowly. It was like, I had a problem and Jesus solved it. So then I was just walking around all wide eyed, like, have you met this Jesus? You know, it was very like, (laughs) and I never have not really been that way. I never like got jaded about it. But one of the things that kept me on track is that that happened to me. And then the people in my life were like right there to like speak it back to me, you know, and keep me on track. And when I went to college, very soon after going to school, I became a part of InterVarsity 
And through InterVarsity, I got to know this old woman who was in her 90s at the time. So she was born like at the turn of the century. This was like 20-ish years ago, 25 years ago, 20, something like that. Um, she was like 90 years old. Her name was Hildegard Johnson. She was single her whole life. She uh, was an educated woman who then, um, I think she got her master's degree and then went and served as a missionary in Japan for a very long time with over overseas missionary fellowship mm -hmm. and um, came back, taught at South Dakota State University. Um, she taught like home economics okay. <laughs> in like the 60s, 70s, 80s. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, in her old age, was just obsessed with college students. Like she had a home, like a home home, like a real home where like, you know, like a nice grandma's house, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> and it was like full of stuff from her like missionary travels and like wall to wall room with like just books right by the door. And every time you'd come in and out, like she would always feed you. Um, she like, she was just like a straight up grandma to like hundreds of college students. Cool. Probably. But it was all the college students who were like, I think a fun way to spend my Saturday would be going to this old lady's house to watch like old missionary videos yeah. and eat cookies mm -hmm. and have her talk to us about Jesus and give us a look that says. That sounds like, cool to me. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so, I mean. If, if the price was right for you, like it was a real experience, yeah. but a whole lot of college students are not, that ain't their thing. <laughs> that's yeah. not their jive. So anyway, she just loved college students. So you come into her house and she would have like, you would end up, she would want to, she was obsessed with like showing you movies she thought you needed to see, like uh, Chariots of Fire. <laughs> <laughs> and she'd have like movie parties yeah. and um, she would have her friends over who are all also in their like 60s 70s 80s mm -hmm. or so <laughs> and they'd all like sit around with you i don't know at the time it just felt right yeah. now that i look back at it i'm like good for you yeah <laughs> like, that's more people should do that i know and so anyway like she was just responsible for so many things getting put in front of my face and one funny thing is that she had her whole wall of books like right by the door so you couldn't leave her house without her being like wait now i think for you what you need mm. to read next is it's like what's his name pick like help us find their, their wand yeah olivander, like olivander. <laughs> yeah it's like a wall of books and she's like mm, i feel like for you right now what you really need and she'll pull down with this book with the pony's tail core <laughs> With the phoenix feather. <laughs> no one has a pony's tail. <laughs> the uni they have unicorn, unicorn hair. Tail. Okay. Yes. <laughs> pony's tail. <laughs> what kind of I, pony, Phil? My wand would have a pony's tail hair in it. <laughs> <laughs> a ponytail one. I'm like, what's your wand? Uh, elm and ponytail. Um. <laughs> anyway. Yep. Birch. So this is how she was. She was always just like, she would get to know you personally and be like, what you need to read next. And she's got this wall of like 600 books. And I remember Jim and I were not a couple yet, but we were in this group that thought this was like the best way to spend Saturdays. And so we were there a lot. And um, she would always be putting books in our hands. And um, like just yesterday, I was thinking about this because there's a book called If We Believe by Frank Houghton. Okay. And it's just like, it's thin. It's probably like a, maybe, 
with its binding, it's a half inch thick, but it is like essential, everything you need to know about following Jesus. Like if we believe it means this. Sure. Yeah. Here's the implications. And it is an old book. Mm-hmm. I mean, this book is old. It was probably published. I, I could Google it, but I'm not going to. It was published a long time ago. Like the, the cover, like Jim got the exact same book that Hildegard had on Amazon, which at the time was only used books. Yeah. Remember those <laughs> and, days? Yeah. And, and Facebook was only for college kids. I guess that was before Facebook probably. Yeah, that was long before yeah. Facebook. Um, But actually, he didn't get it. I got it for him. Like, it was one of the first gifts I gave him. I was like, I know you love this book of Hildegard's and didn't really want to give it back. And so I found mm-hmm. this for you on the internet. Nice. This new invention. <laughs> this thing called Amazon. <laughs> yes. Probably won't take off. Um, and so I did that and then I don't remember which order it came in, but there was another book that I read from Hildegard that I really loved and didn't want to give back. So I actually kept the copy Hildegard gave me and Jim went online and found an old copy of that book and gave that to Hildegard. (laughs) That's totally Jim. (laughs) So that I could keep the one. Is that you guys' like relationship summed up? Pretty much. Megan keeps the book. Jim buys one and gives it to the person who he kept it from. I mean, you know, he was like, you don't have to give that book back because I'm ridiculous. So I'm like, I've built an attachment to this particular copy. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway... Um, so one of the times that I was leaving Hildegard's house, she, um, she sent Jim and I both home with like Hudson Taylor books Mm -hmm. and Hudson Taylor was a missionary from England who went to China a long time ago, like mid 1800s. And, um, uh, he was one of the first missionaries to... Uh, apply his life to actually becoming one of the people as much as possible mm-hmm. rather than being um <laughs> like a, a white guy but I rather mean, than being yeah. like a very proper englishman right and going and like um you know converting people to christianity if christianity meant being a proper englishman mm-hmm. he was the first missionary to really adopt like dressing like the people he grew his hair out really long and then like shaved it everywhere but like a ponytail mm. and then like let it be all you know <laughs> long like old like school. samurai yeah uh, did i just culturally samurai. appropriate samurai i think that's japanese yeah isn't it? i totally messed but that up this is china <laughs> but anyway Sorry. i mean like he really um he really like went all in to just like dress like the people do let the people dictate his schedule let the people's ways dictate how he lived his life like rather than be a proper englishman he was ready to abandon all of that in order to as much as possible just be with them and never Mm -hmm. go back Mm -hmm. so that's what he did and it came at much cost and so he has these like these biographies are classic you can get shorter versions but we have the two volume set that's probably like 800 pages Mm. but Jim and I just devoured them and it completely shaped at a very impressionable time in our life when we were college students and everyone is trying to tell you like what to do with your life and what matters and what you should fight for or believe in. And the church is telling you to just like grow up, uh, find a nice person to marry, marry them, have a bunch of kids and just be proper Christian people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, that's really, honestly, if I look back on it, that is a story the church was giving me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I cannot find you did anything that too. else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's so much more. Yeah. So um, that will fall apart at some point. Like if the whole goal is to just find somebody who's respectable, marry them, have a really nice family, um, and be church people. Like do mm. the things that Christians are supposed to do. Like have proper lives and do these right. things. That's great. But there's so much more. And so at a really early age, this really deeply formed us to think, following Jesus is about doing whatever you're supposed to do next because God says to do it. And it's about like being willing to, one of the things that was really impressionable for us was he would always say, learn to move man through God by prayer alone. Mm -hmm. So the idea that like, rather than trying to argue with people (laughs) to just pray and be kind Mm -hmm. and not not take upon yourself the responsibility of shifting someone else's inner life because you cannot do that. Um, And so it it applies to many things, but that was really formational for us. I mean, and, you know, he's living a life where he had to give up all of these things. And there's all these stories of like, um, he's like, he would get sick all the time and his family would get sick all the time. And he had a wife and she got so sick, she died. And there was like this story of like, they all got some sort of sickness that was coming through yeah. <laughs> and he's in one room of his house, just like sicking on his deathbed. His wife is downstairs dying. Um, his daughter is in a different place dying. Like, um, and so he's like almost dead. He's now aware of the fact that his wife has died in another part of the house, you wow. know, and it's all just because they won't go back to England. Like they are mm-hmm. staying and they're getting every kind of sickness thrown at them yeah. <laughs> you know, to stay. And like the stories of that kind of stuff, a life that says, I will stay here, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And then it leads you to all these other missionary biographies that are so incredible. Um, And if you look back on them or if you look at the titles, if you Google them, they are written by white people, a lot of people from England. Mm -hmm. Um, Because at the time, that was just something they were were publishing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so they will be very, if you look at it now, they are you know, Eurocentric, um, but they are remarkably valuable. Like, yeah, it's just these in, stories of people who were willing to give it all to God. Yes, you know? exactly. And the methods, we might say we could change those methods and improve them today sometimes, um, but you got to honor the fact that these people were so sold out for the mm-hmm. Lord. And there was no other example for them. Like going into China at a time when there were like, a hundred Christians on the entire, you know, map, (laughs) you know, and at a port city, like going into China and going deep into the country and at a time when they didn't have examples, like we get so prideful because we have all these examples of better ways to have done things, or we can look back with the benefit of hindsight and say, well, this person did this and this didn't really work, but this strategy works, you know, they didn't have any of that. It was just like, these people knew Jesus and knew that there was a whole, you know, continent of people. Mm-hmm. I remember <laughs> thinking, like, as I read Jim Elliott's stuff, um, like the letters that he wrote when he was a college kid, mm-hmm. the language, like his writing is beautiful. Like this, like these people were at another level. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a 19 or 20 year old kid here writing this stuff. And it was like, uh-huh. who is this? You it's know? like a, a fully embodied Jesus follower who uh, is not swayed by culture is going to be lonely a lot. Mm-hmm. And then they have a lot of time to process their thoughts and to keep <laughs> making their choices, you know, and it refines you into a person who's got really deep thoughts. Yeah. 
So um, I think part of it is like passion plus loneliness plus the isolation that naturally comes from not just fitting in with everyone else around you mm -hmm. and doing things that other people are like, they avoid it, like they're going to catch your disease. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, I think it makes you articulate. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, but anyway, thank you, Hildegard. She lived a very long time. Like, I, I believe she made it to her hundredth birthday. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. She was, I had a, I had a person like that named Norman. She was your Norman. Mm -hmm. um, and then you ended up naming your son after Hudson Taylor. We did. We named Hudson Hudson after Hudson Taylor. And also Patience Isabel is named after Isabel Kuhn, who mm. was like the next generation after Hudson Taylor with like James Frazier. Nice. So, yeah. Cool. Mm hmm. So what was the name of the book again? It's just, um, so there's this huge old biography that's just called Hudson Taylor, volume one, <laughs> volume two. But you could also do like shorter versions that are often available for like, for, you know, your Scribd membership or whatever. You can find mm -hmm. them online for free probably. Um, one so, is called Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret. You mentioned that. And then you mentioned also the If We Believe. Yeah, that's book. by Frank Houghton. Yeah. Cool. Mm -hmm. Two influential really books. Really solid books that you can probably get for like a penny. In young Megan's life. Online in three ninety nine shipping. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But what they did was they formed our brains really early because Jim grew up pretty like Jim grew up Lutheran, just really typical like Lutheran Minnesota mm -hmm. like upbringing um, and got very passionate about his faith in uh, high school and into college too. And so we were just two people who were pretty impressionable and had suddenly gotten very clear about Jesus. And then someone was like, read all these books about these people who had miserable mm -hmm. lives and experienced like ecstasy in the midst of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that it just shaped us to think like, uh, you know, like we wouldn't be satisfied to just be ordinary yeah. pleasure seekers. <laughs> Yeah. 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 I think it, it helps you catch a vision for the fact that like Jesus really is enough, you know, and mm -hmm. his way really is the way to true joy. And like by no means are we like spiritual giants. But if you look back at our lives, like we do, we have made a lot of choices mm -hmm. because it was just like the right next thing to do. And it hasn't been hard to make them like living them out has been hard. Right. But we've not after 20 years of marriage had like a. I don't think yet we've never had a moment where we had to make an important decision that, that like we like labored over it because it was so hard to like give up something. Sure. Like doing it is hard. That's plenty right. hard, but Absolutely. we've always been like, sure, we should do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> On to the next hard thing. From there. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. On to the next thing that's really hard. Yeah. <laughs> but when the Lord's with you in it, then mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's easy. It's still hard, but you know that it's meaningful, purposeful and right. So, mm -hmm. Books are powerful, people. Yeah. Books are powerful. What's your meaningful book, everybody? <laughs> Send it to us. Let us know. <laughs> we We'd love it. to hear. What what stuff has uh, has changed the trajectory of your life? You know, you're talking about your church upbringing, Jim's church upbringing. Um, we talked earlier about how people often are today often kind of deconstructing their church upbringing, their church background and stuff like that. And the thing I want to point out is, look, whatever may have been wrong with the way they did it back then, it made you serious about it. Mm -hmm. Like you now care enough about it to deconstruct it. And so they did something to help instill in you like that this matters, mm -hmm. a, a weightiness to it. And I worry sometimes like if somebody gets through 
you know, somebody grows up in the church or something and they just don't care, you know, like that's, that's not good. And there's all sorts of like wacky cultish stuff out there where, Mm -hmm. you know, they kind of brainwash you or whatever. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying like, I want to develop a, an, an, a discipleship environment where people understand, like maybe we're not doing perfectly, but, but this matters enough for your whole life. Like this matters so much that your whole life should be oriented around Mm -hmm. it, you know? And if you are a person who's in the middle of feeling like you need to deconstruct some things from your upbringing or just maybe even the first 10 years of your adult life in church, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like who knows? Um, The fact that you're putting energy into thinking about it is more indicative of your faith than like the loss of it. Well, it means that you're owning it. You're trying yeah. to own it. You I know? mean, you're like you're living it. You're figuring it out. Like mm-hmm. there are plenty of people who just like don't bother yeah. to think it through. And I don't understand. Like people who just can cordon off big questions in life. Oh. It's, um, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. Sorry, something. Megan's got phone problems over there. <laughs> but, well, yeah, I was going to share a quote actually that I just okay. uh, wrote down yesterday. So I'm going to pull it out. Because it, it, it pertains to this. Um, this is from a book by, uh, <laughs> um, sorry. Okay, so this is from a George McDonald book. I'm making sure it's from that same book before I tell you what it is. It's from a George McDonald book. And he says, a man, be, a man may be on the way to truth just in virtue of his doubting. <laughs> but like the idea that um if you are deconstructing your upbringing and are all like disillusioned about what you've been taught in church you're putting a lot of energy into it which is indicative more of the fact that you have faith that you are like wrestling with than Mm -hmm. it is that you are a doubtful person who has no foundation yeah you're trying to own something (laughs) and that's good Mm -hmm. uh just (laughs) i talk about this in a sermon in a few weeks here i don't know how we i got onto this topic now but it's okay we're here um just make sure that you're not deconstructing your faith in order to match another myth, which is the mo- the modern myth. You know, like, I don't know why it often happens that like modern philosophy is in the driver's seat in our deconstruction. Like we have to take Christianity and make it match what modern people think. Um, why not deconstruct modernity? You know, because I think there's a lot there that could, be tweaked. And anyway. if you don't know really what modernity is, um, it's probably because you're so in it that you don't know that it's a thing. Yeah. The idea that like, <laughs> that, you know, the highly individualistic, highly consumeristic, high idea that, you know, I deserve my rights and stuff and, like, like that. And like the full implications of like consent culture and mm-hmm. things like that, um, where nothing's like all bad or all good, but it's like, uh, there comes like a way of thinking that, uh, you're being given. Right. That you can pull apart. Yeah. All right. We won't, We don't need to go down that road. Save that for another podcast. Let's do a deconstruction podcast someday where I'm going to talk about my... I'm in a deconstruction phase right now, but I'm, I'm actually deconstructing modernity. I'm reading some thinkers that are just blowing my mind about... Um, and, 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 I don't know, encouraging me in my faith to see just how much sense the way of Jesus actually makes compared to the chaos that surrounds us. We'll talk about that another time, but so look forward to a podcast in the future about deconstruction yeah. and another one about Roe v. Wade. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody.